I love that one. Um, at this time, um, Diana Brandenburg will be um, sharing our scripture reading. Did you have This is Romans 5, verses 1 through 9, from the New International Version on Peace and Hope. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace, in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? The next reading is from 2 Samuel, chapter 9. David and Mephibosheth. David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there one... Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? the king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is it, your servant, that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops, so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, 
Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants at Meshibobeth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. This is the reading of God's holy scripture. Thanks be to God. She did a really good job with some hard words. (laughs) So today's message is going to be all about that grace. Are any of you familiar with the church right on Broadway in New Ulm when you're driving? And they always have really funny sayings on their board. Yeah, I I think it's maybe the Lutheran church. And every time I drive by, I always want to see what they say, because there's usually something witty. And one that I saw, I don't even remember, it was probably a couple years ago, there was a popular song on the radio, and it was called All About That Bass. And they changed the word, and it's all about that bass, about that bass, no treble. I'm not going to sing anymore. But they changed it on that to it's all about that grace, about that grace. And I'm like, oh, that is really witty. So when Natalie uh, asked me if I had a name for this message to put onto the slide, I said it was all about that grace. And then all of a sudden I'm like, about that grace, about that grace. So if anything, maybe that'll get stuck in your head and you can continuously think of God's grace today. So I want to start off with something that's kind of interactive. Um, I'm going to ask you guys some questions. It's a group activity. Don't worry. I'm not going to call on you individually. But I want to see if you can complete some of the following phrases. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. We make money the old-fashioned way. We work for it. We earn it. There's no such thing as a free Nice. The other one I've heard is a free ride, so I like it. No pain? Oh, you guys are rocking this. God helps those who See, everything about the way of life teaches us that we get what we earn. That there are no free rides or free lunches. And that we lie in the bed of our own making. This is because many of us are all about that hard work and elbow grease. Society promotes that we get what we deserve and that if we want to make something of our lives, then it's up to us. Or if it's up to me, it's meant to be. See, this is the type of work ethic that's very prevalent in the, up, you know, in the Midwest. If we want to get ahead, we're going to have to work for it. And although there's nothing wrong with this this mentality um, or this type of work ethic, in fact, it's a good ethic to have, um, the problem we should have with this is God doesn't operate in accordance to this ethic when it comes to his salvation. And because of this, work ethic people, I'm one included, I, I find it difficult to understand and to come into a saving relationship with God. We've come to believe that we have to earn our way into heaven. Do any of you know someone like that? I remember my grandfather. um, 
I don't have many memories of him on the farm. Most of them are when he retired and was in town. But I remember um, every time he'd come in for lunch, we would eat lunch, and he would get out a devotional. And I remember thinking, wow, he's so strong in his faith. And I was like probably seven, but I'm like, he never misses the devotion after a meal. And I paid close attention. He'd be tired and dirty from working on the farm, but he always did that noon devotional. And I remember this partially because after devotional, we got to have ice cream with fresh canned peaches. It was like a special thing. And I always looked. I'm like, oh, is he getting the big devotional or the little one? Because the big one meant we're going to be there a while. But it was that, that faith. And I just remember thinking, wow, like he's a really strong Christian. But even towards end of life, I remember him saying, do you think I worked hard enough? Do you think I earned it? And my mom had a really, I don't know what happened in that room, but she had a really amazing conversation with him. And that was just his mentality. And I think sometimes we get caught up in that, of wanting to earn our way. Now, King David was one who understood the full extent of God's grace. He said, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. David says that God is a gracious and compassionate God. But what does that mean? So the standard definition for grace is God's unmerited favor. I didn't know that until I saw it. I think that's really cool. The standard definition for grace is God's unmerited favor. And that's correct. God loves to bless though all of us, even when we don't deserve it. And that includes every single one of us. Grace is part of God's nature, and that's why it's important for us to understand his grace. Because the more that we understand his grace, the more we'll be drawn to God and have love for it. In order to understand God's grace, we must first differentiate between God's grace and God's mercy. This is mainly because we tend to focus on them or hold the same meaning for both of them, God's mercy and God's grace. But they're different. So we are going to break it down to grace, G-R-A-C-E. So G, grace is God's gift. For all who have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. That's Romans 3.23. Paul says a person can be made right with God, um, saying that, Excuse me. Paul is saying a person can be made right with God, that is, to be justified, through the payment by God's de- or Jesus' death upon the cross for our sin. This is what redemption is all about. Therefore, it was through God's grace that we have the blessing of being made right with him. And as a result, we have the internal life in heaven, even though we've done nothing to deserve it. Paul goes on to say later on in Romans, But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. See, what Paul's saying here is that God's grace is free, which is the totally opposite way that most Americans think. Most of us believe we cannot, we, um, most believe they can go to heaven through religion or by being good enough or doing their best they mistakenly believe that their good deeds will outweigh the bad. 
But that is not the way that God has his plan of salvation. God says that it is a free gift. And if it is a gift, then it cannot be um, earned or worked for. I always love thinking of that. So if I were to say, Deb, I have a gift for you. But you have to do some work for me first and like earn it, but then you get this gift. It's not how it works. It's not a gift, right? That's, that's how it is with God's gift. We don't need to earn it. So this runs contrary to what other religions um, teach. And so this is thought that all religions are basically the same is actually conflicted, especially when compared to the Christian faith. You see, some others' um, religions' plan of salvation has to do with getting into heaven based upon what a person does. Now, Christianity is based solely upon the grace by wit, uh, the grace which is by faith and not the works. I'm going to say that again. Christianity is based solely upon grace which is by faith, not works. So, if I explain it another way, if we were to summarize in a single way what other religious uh, religions some some other religions teach it would be the word do so there are certain things a person must do in order to gain god's approval or their higher being's approval now they all vary as to what the do is but a, a lot of them contain that one word do a person needs to know, needs to do these things if they want to go to heaven because the religion is all about rules, regulations, and rituals. However, if we were to summarize Christianity in one word, it would be done. Our salvation has already been accomplished through Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. He paid for his salvation through our death, so our salvation has already been done. And did you notice that Jesus' last words on the cross were, it is finished? It's not, I am finished. It's, it is finished. Why? Because Jesus wasn't finished. Three days later, he rose from the dead. And he is now alive and on the right side of our Father, interceding for each of us. Jesus finished our salvation, and that salvation is available to all of us who accept it by faith through God's grace. It is without price, or better yet, it is priceless. Now this brings us to the second letter, G-R, if you're a horrible speller like me, G-R. Grace is received by faith. For grace, you have to be saved, oh, this is Ephesians 2.8, I love this one. For by grace, you have to be saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Faith is the key that unlocks the door to heaven, and salvation is God's free gift of grace to all who receive it by faith. Now, I already picked on you, Deb. I'll pick someone else. Renee, if I told you I had a gift for you, um, but in order to get it, you have to go out where I live, which is like way out by Butternut. Um, But I, I swear I have a gift but you have to go get it. So what would that take on your part? That would take some trust, right? Like, what if she's lying? What if she doesn't really have this gift? I don't know. Um, That's where your faith comes in. You must believe I'm telling the truth, and if you believe me and you come, you're going to get what's promised. 
Well, that is what the Lord has done. He has this free gift of salvation. All you have to do is believe him and receive it by faith. God talks about what we said in our first point, and that is, since grace is a gift, there is nothing we can do to earn it. If we earn it, then it isn't a gift. We go around bragging about our ability um, more than God's grace. Imagine what a miserable place heaven would be if our entrance was based on what we did. Everyone would be telling one big, I did this story after another. We were talking about old sayings. It would be kind of like the who has the bigger horse scenario is what I think of. But since God's grace is through faith, then we have nothing to brag about. Now, the Bible is filled with stories that illustrate God's faith. Uh, grace, and one was found in Second Samuel 9, which was um, our scripture reading for the day. It was about D- King David's kindness to the friend, his friend Jonathan for caring for his son Mephibosheth. God had anointed David to be king. The only problem is, is that there was another king sitting in the throne, which was Saul. When Saul learned about David's anointing, He actually mounted a campaign and tried to have David killed. But David never retaliated back. Saul's son, Jonathan, however, developed a close friendship with David. And knowing that God's hand was on David, Jonathan asked David if he would be gracious to his family. Later, the Jews went to war with the Philistines, and both Saul and Jonathan were killed. Hearing the bad news, Mephibosheth's nurse actually dropped him while trying to escape the palace. And that broke both of his legs, disabling him for the rest of his life. After David descended the throne years later, he asked if anyone was still alive from Saul's family that he could show kindness to. When he was told of Mephibosheth, David commanded that he be brought to him. Could you imagine what was going through his mind when he was called upon? He probably thought he was going to get killed. But to his surprise, David not only made him part of his family, but he made him a place at the palace to live. He took care of Mephibosheth, paying his bills and meeting his needs. That's what grace is all about. God comes to us when we are all broken up inside. When disabilities exist within our hearts and our minds, and when we're all crippled up inside. God's grace says that he's going to bring us into family, sit at his table, and treat us as his children, healing our wounded emotions and scarred-filled lives. And so, if we are to receive God's grace, we are to accept it by faith. Our next letter is A. Grace is available to all. God doesn't play favorites, never has, never will. No matter a person's background, status, religion, or sin, no matter what that may be, he doesn't pick favorites. Romans 4.16 says, Therefore the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only those who are of the law, but of those who are of the faith of Abraham. God's promise of salvation is available to all. It was Abraham's belief that God made him righteous. 
Paul went on to say, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls the name of the Lord shall be saved. There are no quotas in heaven. There's no limited seating. It's open to all. Letter C is for comes or came. Grace comes through Jesus Christ. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. John 1.17. John 14.6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to my Father except through me. Now why through Jesus? Why not through Buddha or Muhammad or one of the other, many other gods that individuals worship? Or even throughout keeping the law or through rules and regulations? The reason is because Jesus was the only one who paid the price on our admission. He paid the price for our admission. On the cross, he paid for our sins so that we would not have to die for them. Yes, grace is a free gift, but it was not cheaply given. It cost Jesus his life. There is a phrase used throughout the Old Testament to describe someone who has accepted God's free gift of salvation, and that's in Christ. Grace is what he does for us because of what Jesus did for us upon the cross. Now the last one, obviously, is E. And this is like a a double jeopardy or daily double. Um, Grace is extended through eternity. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The results of God through grace, uh, through Jesus Christ, will go on forever. Because one of the gifts of accepting God's grace is eternal life. It is truly the gift that keeps on giving. Heaven is a God's gift for all people who believe, and it's a wondrous place. It is a place of reward. Not only will we be given the crowns for our faith, but also the heavenly treasure that is stored up for us, as written in the book of Matthew and 1 Corinthians. Heaven is also a place of release. Oh, this brings me such peace. Heaven is also a place of release where we will be free of pain, sickness, suffering, sadness, sorrow, and grief. Revelation 21.4 says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There will be no pain, for the former things have passed away. Heaven is going to be a wondrous place. It is God's grace given to all of faith who believe in Jesus. When asked how he became a Christian, Peter Drucker who is the father of American management, said, when somebody first explained grace to me, I realized that I was never going to get a better deal. Conclusion, it's all about God's grace. It's all about that grace. We're never going to get a better deal than God's gracious gift of salvation.
At this time, I'd like to take a few moments for some reflection and prayer. So please bow your heads and just have a moment with the Lord. Will you please join me in the Lord's Prayer? 